Welcome to the Stakeholders Podcast, the show where we try to answer the question, what's at stake? We dive into how an organization's pursuit of their objectives affect or are affected by the people. Our guests come from the private industry, government, education, and more to discuss how they manage with their stakeholders in mind to achieve long-term success. On today's episode, we're joined by Nikki Parr. Nikki is the Associate Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Women's Economic Ventures, also known as WEAVE. And Nikki, thank you very much for being on the show today. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what you do? Sure. Um, thanks, Andy. Thank you for the opportunity to be on. Um, so my role at WEAVE um, has been in existence for about a year. Um, we started a, a big strategic initiative about a year ago when we had a new CEO join the organization. And we really wanted to expand um, and enhance the offerings that we provide as an organization to our community. We are a nonprofit that's based in Santa Barbara and Ventura County. And we primarily serve women entrepreneurs and minority-owned business entrepreneurs. Um, and so we've been in existence for about 30 years. Um, and it was time um, to, you know, introduce some new programs and um, new initiatives. And, and I'm helping the CEO with the rollout of those programs. It's really exciting. And what got you to start working at Weave? What was your background in? Yeah, well, I've actually been with Weave for um, nearly three years. Um, I've been in this role for about a year. Prior to that, I was um, I joined as a as a business recovery specialist for the organization, and um, that role was created after the debris flow and after the Thomas fire to support our local businesses that had been um, economically impacted and directly impacted by those natural disasters. Um, prior to that, uh, my training is, is in finance and accounting. Um, I trained as an accountant in England with PricewaterhouseCoopers um, and then worked in a variety of roles in forensic accounting and risk management. Um, and then in um, private companies as a controller and as an operations director. Um, but I really found that um, I wanted to be working for an organization that um, really fulfilled a, you know, a bigger purpose in society and the uh, business recovery role that we've you know, just came along at the right time. Do you find that there's a similarity to how businesses interacted with or not interacted, how they reacted to the fires compared to how they're reacting now to COVID? It is a very similar experience I, the, uh, at an individual business level. Um, I think the difference is how widespread, obviously, um, the impacts of COVID have been. And then also the length of, of what businesses are having to deal with. Right. And that actually makes a lot of sense. It's the extent of time that just continues going. I mean, we're on the third shutdown currently down here in Southern California. It just keeps going. Yeah. And what's been um, helpful from Weave's perspective, I think, was the fact because we had provided support during after the disasters, um, you know, two to three years ago, we had, you know, we had developed a game plan basically for how to respond in this kind of situation. So it meant that um, in late March, when the first shutdown happened, we were very quickly able to mobilize resource um, in order to support the community and our clients. Absolutely. And what would you say is your purpose in your current role that you're in? 
Um, well, it, it kind of, it, it, it has lots of different aspects to it um, because of, you know, my historical role in business recovery. I'm also helping facilitate the support that we provide um, through, you know, the COVID recovery aspects of the work we do. Um, but what, what I'm also trying to do um, when we're not having intense lockdowns and new grants announced and, uh, new PPP rounds is to work with our team to um, really expand and, and enhance the training programs that we're offering. Um, that is kind of the priority initiative that we're dealing with at the moment. Um, and, you know, we, we've gone from an organization that held two types of classes in person um, to offering over four different classes online and you know we're hoping to keep expanding that over the next year but you know th there's a lot of um, aspects that are involved in making those changes. Have you found that there's a new group that's coming to you to learn from you than there was previously before COVID started? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I think the work that we've done with COVID recovery has, um, you know, raised our profile in the community. And I think more people are aware of what we do as an organization. So, you know, even though we were providing education, training, advisory and funding um, in the past and for the last, you know, 25, 30 years, um, I do feel that, you know, we are potentially attracting new clients because they're hearing about us from the webinars that we're doing about COVID recovery or um, the webinars we're doing about financial education. Um, and I think because we're starting to offer more training that is more flexible in terms of it being online and, you know, available at different times, we are able to meet, you know, a client that perhaps couldn't have, you know, used our services, our, our trainings in the past. Yeah, that's really cool. And that, that actually um, kind of brings me to my next question. I, I believe that you have uh, an interesting philosophy about the way that you deal with people. Would you be able to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, um, so there's an overlap really between sort of my personal philosophy as an individual, which is just, you know, fairness, no matter what. So equal access to opportunities, equal access to education. And, and really where Weave was founded was on an equal opportunity to funding. So, you know, in the past, women business owners were not able to get funding to start their businesses. And we've really began as an organization to provide funding to women business owners. Um, along the way, it then also expanded its offerings to um, training and advisory because, you know, you, you just give some money, you also need to train them and, and guide them in how to invest in their business and grow their business. Um, you know where I think our philosophies, my philosophy overlaps with with Weeb as my employer, and um, is just this this aspect of fairness and equality. Um, and our mission is about economic empowerment for women, um, and it's one that definitely speaks to me. Well, what would you say are some of the biggest issues that don't allow women to be empowered in the business world? Um, I think it's, you know, there's the sort of the historical patriarchal system, you know, just over time that more men have been in the workplace, more men have been in banking, more men have, you know, basically controlled the purse strings for lending. Um, I think that is, 
you know, that is absolutely shifting and, and has done over the last 10 years or so and, and will continue to do so. Um, but then there are also just the sort of societal and cultural aspects of women's responsibilities at home um, and that precluding them from, you know, just having as much time and resource sometimes as men have in the workplace. So all these things are shifting um, and they've been shifting in the right direction as more attention has been has been brought to it and more organizations like ours exist specifically to support women. Um, but what has been, you know, a real negative about COVID is the fact that it has impacted women, women workers and women business owners and the fact that children um, haven't been able to go to school. Um, so just sort of this is unfortunately what's called a, a she session um, like a recession, but more directed towards women of COVID. So, um, and I, I hope that the progress that has been made, you know, 10 or 20 of, of women becoming more prevalent in the workplace, more prevalent as business owners, won't be reversed because of COVID and what's happened over the last year with, um, with the, you know, necessity of women kind of needing to meet their responsibilities at home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's... Um... It's really important for that not to do. What would you think it would take for women to make sure they keep that uh, empowerment that they've gained in the last couple of decades? Well, I think, you know, where we're really trying to make a difference is um, in community and in promoting communities of um, women business owners, of professional women, um, of, you know, providing that peer support as well as that advisory support. And just knowing that there are resources available um, to women business owners, to professional women, to, you know, come together and, and find uh, other people, other women just like them, and, and also to find the resources that they need. Um, it's, about, it's about, you know, constantly talking about this as an issue and, and providing solutions at the same time. Um, and I think, you know, the community aspect is something that we're really, really focusing on um, as, as part of our strategic initiatives. Yeah, and I think that's a very, very strong initiative. Now, I want to dive a little bit deeper into who your specific stakeholders are. And obviously, you focus uh, highly on women business owners. Um, do you have specific designated groups out of those stakeholders? Yeah, I'd say that we have three primary um, categories of stakeholders. I think, you know, first and foremost are our clients, uh, second, our staff, and third, our funders. And, and really, you know, the focus oscillates between the three of those. But I'd say that, that because of COVID, the, the clients certainly became a massive priority for us in the past year and, and really, really has driven some, some refocus in how we approach our business, our interactions um, with them in order to help them feel that they can access the support they, that they need um, from Weave. Absolutely. I think that's a very strong primary stakeholder, the people you serve. Now, what about secondary stakeholders? Have you identified those? Yeah, I mean, I think the secondary stakeholder, I mean, I, I would definitely include staff and funders within the primary group of stakeholders. I think secondary is more, you know, for, you know affiliate organizations, partner organizations, corporations that we that we partner with they would be our secondary group and sometimes those are also funders so there's some overlap there 
Um, but, you know, other organizations that are like ours who are out there to support small business owners, professional women are the, are the secondary group. Yeah. And, and I feel like I may have uh, uh, glossed over some of your other primary stakeholders. Would you be able to uh, dive into, uh, into the other two groups as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think, you know, with any organization, the, the staff are absolutely a set of primary stakeholders. You know, we, we're very, especially again, COVID has, has kind of brought their well-being and, and um, then not so much needs, but, you know, how we take care of our staff and, and they're the ones that are going to be responding to the clients. So we have to we take care of them as a group. Um, and then obviously our funders, you know, without our funders, we wouldn't exist. So we have to be responsive to their needs and, and their requirements. But I guess what's been interesting for us over the past year is feeling the need to make sure that our funders are really aligned with our mission as an organization. Um, and so that, um, there's there's no kind of conflict or nothing that is detracting from the client in order to serve a funder's um, grant requirements. Yeah, and that actually brings me to, to a very good segue into my question. Do you find that there's certain stakeholders that are maybe more passive than others and maybe their needs get overlooked? And if there are those stakeholders, what do you do to try and make their voice heard? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, of course, you, you don't know what you're not aware of unless <laughs> unless something makes you aware of it. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, with our clients, we're serving a, we're serving a, a broad range of clients. And, and often, you, you know, you, you'll hear from the clients that are really happy or the clients that are really unhappy. Um, but there's a big swathe of clients who are in between and potential clients, people that you may not be serving, but that you feel you should be. So we do um, every year, we do a very comprehensive survey um, to our client base to understand, you know, how we can better serve them. We also do that with um, each course that we teach and, and, you know, a lot of the programs that we offer, we're just constantly trying to get the feedback, but that again, that doesn't necessarily capture the voice of those that we're not serving. And I, I feel like that's, that's something that we do need to be mindful of. Um, I think another group of stakeholders that I haven't mentioned yet is our, is our group of volunteers. And we have a lot of um, amazing people that like to volunteer with Weave and, and offer their expertise and their um, knowledge and their wisdom and their time. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of perspective there that I think we could capture and, and leverage. Um, and, you know, that's an area that we are focusing on in the coming year is how we can better utilize our volunteers so that we can better serve our clients. Um, so, it, so it's a win-win for both of those groups of stakeholders. Yeah, volunteers always come up in uh, nonprofit organizations whenever I talk to uh, guests from nonprofit organizations. And it's really interesting because it's such a big group. And um, I'm really glad that they're getting the um, they're getting a little bit of the spotlight as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we have, like I said, we have some incredible volunteers that, that give a lot of their time. And I think we could get a lot more volunteers it's you know with the, the pressures within a nonprofit are always on staff resource and, and having the capacity to for instance manage it manage the volunteer um, program is we don't have a dedicated volunteer coordinator right now so you know that's an area that we do want to move into so that we can better serve clients 
Do you find that you tend to focus on stakeholders that exert more influence than others and like maybe like internal, external? Yeah, I think um, I think that there's a natural tendency to do that as a nonprofit because your funding source is different to your client slash customer source. You know, in a for-profit business, your your clients are the ones that are funding the business. You know, they're buying the product or the service, and and that's how a company is in is in operation. Whereas for a nonprofit, you know, we're providing a program, but we're getting our funding from a different source. So, you know, sometimes our attention will go more towards one group or the other. Um, and I, you know, as I as I mentioned earlier, we're now really you know, in a, in a much more focused way, trying to understand our clients as the stakeholders rather than our funders as the stakeholders. Again, there's this a pressure within a nonprofit to understand where your money is going to be coming from um, in order to provide the programs and services. And I think it's, it's natural that you want to keep those funders happy and, and deliver the programming um, that will keep the dollars coming through the door um, but at the same time, we have to be mindful that we're um, providing programs that our clients want and are asking for and will use. And so, you know, we also have to be listening closely to what those client needs are um, and, and finding the funding that will meet that um, perhaps rather than the other way around sometimes. Sounds a little bit like um, almost like shareholders in a for-profit company like you have to kind of balance you're not always supposed to try and make profit for them you're supposed to bring value to the customer make sure you're taking care of your staff just like all of these things you've already said um it's just in a little bit of a different format yeah that that's absolutely right yeah in in my previous life when i was working in for-profits and corporates uh, and actually in a, in a public company there was just always the drive to keep the, sh- the share price up and keep the shareholders happy. And it's like, well, what about the customers? What about the staff? Um, you know, you, you do, they're the, the ones that are going to ultimately make the business or nonprofit successful. Um, and, and then the share price will rise accordingly. But, but yeah, we have to, we have to prioritize clients and, and staff also. Yeah, I'm actually reading this book called um, uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And uh, he shows a lot of really good research that shows that um, when he tried to do that, you're actually kind of isolating the company and creating this competitive environment that's not always healthy for the long term. Yeah, it feels like a very um, top-down, almost artificial way to build a business. You want to be building it from the ground up you know really being excellent in what you do what you provide how you act you know those are the foundations it's an artificial business i really like that that's a very good way to put it and nikki i like to end this question off with every one of my guests because i think it really brings out some really interesting answers there's this uh there's this principle called the separation fallacy and it's basically the idea that a good business decision or, or excuse me, the false belief that a good business decision can possibly be a good ethical decision and vice versa, a good ethical decision can possibly make for a successful business decision. Now, it sounds like you are not a believer in this fallacy because <laughs> of what you do. Um, but do you think that you've ever had moments in your life where you've seen this occur in other people or maybe you have experienced it and you've learned from it? 
Um, <laughs> you're right. Um, I do feel that it's a fallacy. I'm, I'm glad that it's called the separation fallacy. You know, I wouldn't be working for a, a nonprofit if I felt that there was no ethics possible in business or that business can never be ethical. I mean, I think really what you're asking is, is can a business take a decision that um, is, if it's purely about profit, um, do you then kind of abandon all ethics? And I'd say that there's there's so much more to a business and to a business's place in the community. Yes, you, you know, a business obviously wants to make money for the, the, the owners, the staff, the shareholders, the stakeholders, but a business also has a responsibility to the community that it exists in and the, in the, you know, in the community that we're all a part of. And I, I feel like, you know, there's this, the concept of the triple bottom line um, where you're, you're dealing with not just financial profit, but, you know, how the business is also act, interacting in these other facets. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, as I said, I, I work for a nonprofit that espouses, you know, responsibility and community and, uh, but also financial literacy and financial empowerment. So I naturally believe that we will try and touch all of those aspects in the work that we do. Um, and we certainly have clients and, and small businesses um, and business owners that also are very attached to the triple bottom line in the work that they're doing too. So, you know, I, I, I worry that it's reductionist to just equate business to profit and um, not being ethical. I, I feel like there's plenty of room for responsibility and, um, and, and, you know, being a good responsible corporate citizen. I absolutely agree with you. And Nikki, I really want to thank you for being a guest today. Um, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? No, I, I'm, I'm really, you know, grateful for the opportunity to, to be here and always to talk about Weave and, and talk about the work that we do. You know, it's important that, um, that women and minority business owners feel that they have somewhere to go for resources and support and community and, and Women's Economic Ventures is really striving to provide that um, in the Tri-County area. So please check us out, www.wevonline.org. And I'm happy to be in touch with anybody that wants to reach out to me. And I'll make sure that I link your website and your social media in the description of the podcast episode as well. But Nikki, thank you very much again for being a guest. I'll see the rest of my listeners in the next episode. <laughs>